Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Kent. And welcome to Answering the Call with Mother Angelica, where each week we feature viewers' phone calls that came to Mother Angelica, and she fielded over the years on her live show with her powerful but everyday spiritual style. I'm Doug Keck, along with EW10's chaplain and longtime uh, friend and confidant of Mother Angelica, Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Great to be with you, Father. We're never weary of hearing Mother's advice because there's always some insight, you know, that helps us in our own situations. I tell you, I hear it ringing in my head all the time without even listening to the radio show. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm sure you do, too. <laughs> yes. And, of course, today we've got a couple of phone calls, Mother Fielded, one on a cheating husband, one dealing with children suffering, always a tough one, another one which Mother kind of enjoyed about a mother-in-law, and finally, <laughs> Purgatory Books and Book of Revelation, a thing that uh, many times she got calls about, especially in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there was a lot of uh, apocalyptic ideas going around, and so a lot of people were interested in what was happening, and Mother has some good sound advice. Right, and uh, first up was, of course, this question about the cheating husband, and I think uh, it's kind of interesting in Mother's response where she says, What will you do? Only time will tell. No matter what he does, you must be faithful to the Lord. And then she went on and talked about her own life, and she said, My mother had that problem. Every time I went to try looking for my dad for the alimony, there's somebody else answering the door, you know. So, I mean, it gives you an insight into the kind of issues that mother dealt with as a youth. Yeah, and that's what gave her such a deep insight in being able to help others with the very same problems. And you can imagine the heartache that was for her as a child to uh, see her father doing this. But we do know, as Mother mentions, that it ended well in that her father came to apologize to her when she had entered the monastery. Right, exactly. And that's the advice she kind of gives is don't give up. So let's see what Mother Angelica has to say about that cheating husband. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Hey, hi. Where are you from? I'm from New York. Wonderful. And what is your question? Mother, um... I've been married approximately 10 years, mm-hmm. and I just found out within the past month that my husband had an affair. And I'd like to know, Mother, what you can advise me to do about what to do with my suffering. What? Is it something past or something now? Recently. Recently. Well, that pain is a heavy pain, honey. Very heavy pain. First of all, it's neglect. Secondly, it's a deep hurt of rejection and the deep hurt of deceit. You see, all of you men that go around having affairs just so you can feel more manly, you have no idea what you cause your wife. There's no rejection like that rejection. There's no hurt like that hurt. And you have to realize, honey, that it is the deepest hurt a woman can have. Number one, I would talk to him about it. I would ask him to go to confession. 
I would ask him to stop. You have a right to do those things. Then I would be patient and wait. If he keeps on, you have a grave danger ahead of you. Men that run around having affairs sometimes bring home diseases that are not good. That's a kind of problem you have now that women never had before, or not as much. It's a very difficult problem. I would go to a holy priest and get some consolation. I would try to forgive. That's important. Why? Well, because our dear Lord forgave his worst enemies. And secondly, you need to forgive to get that hatred out of your heart. What you will do, only time will tell. No matter what he does, you must be faithful to the Lord. And I would go, I would go and sit before the best sacrament. Ask our dear Lord to speak to your heart and heal you. My mother had that problem. And every time I went to try looking for my dad for alimony, somebody else answered the door, you know. But in the end, in the end, and I was a religious, took all those years, for him to repent and to say for the first time, I'm sorry. So there's always hope. You may have to be patient, but go to Jesus with that hurt. That hurt of rejection and deceit is something Our Lady suffered from, Our Lord suffered from, and now you. So uh, I will pray for you. My sisters will pray for you. I'm sorry. Don't give up. Next up, we're looking at a call about children's suffering. And again, uh, Father, this is something we've heard it talked about so many times on the air with Mother Angelica, mm. with her great sympathy for dealing with people, let alone children suffering. Yes, I was recently home talking with one of my dad's uh, close friends, and this was his big question as it is for so many people. Why is there evil in the world? Why is there suffering? Why do children suffer, you know, and in their innocence? And the answer, of course, it's a mystery, the mystery of suffering. And yet we know, in order to understand it, we have to have the eternal perspective on things. That if this life is all there is, it does not make sense. Right. But if the suffering of the present seems as nothing compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us, then it does make sense that, as Mother says, this is a testing ground for us to prove our love and trust. Absolutely. And like she says, it's man. Man has done it all, these bad things, abortion, etc. Innocent babies being killed in the worst possible way. That's not God acting. Mm -hmm. That's people using their free will to make those terrible decisions. Only a person with free will can love freely, but they can also conversely do evil. But God uh, lets us make that choice because ultimately his goodness is greater than every evil. Evil never has the final word. Right. Let's hear what Mother had to say about children suffering. We have another call. Hello? Hello. Hey, where are you from? Uh, Texas. 
good. The big state of Texas. Yes. And what was your question? Uh, Mother, I would like to know why God permits small children to go uh, without food, suffering, medical attention. Could you explain this to me, please? Well, God didn't put them there that way, honey. It's man. Man has done all that. We don't share. We don't care. And I think abortion and child abuse is one of the greatest evils of today's world, but it's not God. Our Lord and Our Lady cry. You have statues crying all over the world of Our Lady, crying over the terrible act of abortion killing innocent babies in the worst way possible. That's not God. It's not God that anybody should starve. It's not God to say we have too many people and too much population, so we have to be sure they're not born at all. So whole countries feed other countries every kind of medicine and not to have children. That's not God. That we send foods many times to countries and it's stolen by politicians and the people never get it. That's not God. We send wheat, but it does it sits three miles offshore. And other ships come and they take it and the people never get it. That's not God. That's the evil in men's hearts. You say, well, why does God permit it? Because he gave you and I free will. He allows us to be tempted so we can imitate his son, Jesus. So we can overcome temptation and destroy the enemy. You see, with grace in our hearts, with Jesus in our hearts, the whole trinity, the indwelling, we have the power to overcome Satan. That's what the, the angels rejoice over. That one man repents. Why? Because he overcomes hell. He overcomes a higher intelligence. He overcomes more power than he has. It's like an ant destroying an elephant. Man, when he gets away from God, is worse than an animal. Worse than an animal. You see, you know what I think I did after he created world and everything else yet? Like my grandma used to have. She'd make a big pie. She had a lot of dough left over, you know. And she'd all crumble it up, you know, and she'd make something out of it or she'd just fry it or, you know, everything she had left over, she just put together. We ate it. That's good. I think that's what happened to God. He made everything, mountains and hills and water and vegetables and meat. And, and he made man. And, but man was made up of all this stuff put together, you know. Human nature, a little bit spiritual, a little bit animal. 
when man forgets his soul and acts on an animal level, he's the worst. Animals kill for food. Man kills for pleasure. For selfish reasons. For evil reasons. None of that is God. That's why it's so important. I pray every day for mass conversions. Mass conversions. Because unless we have mass conversions. Like Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord may repent. He made us. Then what? Well, I don't think he ever will myself. But I feel in my heart, and I know you do too, you may run away from it or pretend it's not there, but God alone can change the world the way it is. You know it, and I know it. Get close to him. The world has nothing to offer. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And we are back. Thanks for staying with us here. I'm Doug Kecht with Father Joseph Mary Wolf, part two of Mother Angelica answering the call. A very interesting phone call having to do with mothers-in-law, Father Joseph. What do you think Mother would have to say about mothers-in-law? She didn't have one. Are there no beautiful mother-in-laws? <laughs> she asked. They all seem to be in the same boat, causing all these problems. You know, my, my own mother was a good mother-in-law, I think, because uh, she and her son-in-law, my sister's brother, they just had a fun relationship where they would tease each other and love each other. But a mother gives us some good advice here. You know, in these, these situations that we love, we forgive, we can't... Uh, we can't uh, choose how the other person's going to respond. That's their choice. But we don't have to live in uh, you know, consternation just because they make that bad choice. Right. I think the insight she really has that's great is the idea that you, you know, she talks about you've done what you're supposed to do. You've mm-hmm. tried to be conciliatory. But if they're in bad shape and they're that hateful, you can understand this person is really suffering inside. That's not jesus inside them that's and so you need to realize that these people are suffering and as best you can forgive them for being as terrible to you as they are and that we should be at peace with whatever the response is right so if we're doing what god calls us to do what the gospel teaches us what jesus shows us by his example if we're doing those things forgiving choosing to forgive praying for the person we've done our part and so right. we can be at peace whether they react positively or negatively. And keep praying for them. That's always the best way. And here's Mother Angelica talking about dealing with a tough mother-in-law. We have a call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Where are you from? I'm from Quincy, Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, good. I'm sorry, I'm a bit nervous. <laughs> what is your question? Yeah, Mother, I've been watching you. I love you. My question is this. Um, I'm from Nigeria, and um, I have problem with my mother-in-law, not really a problem, and um, 
she doesn't like me and she said um i had miscarriages and i had one miscarriage earlier this year and um i had surgery done and all she could say when she called was that she told me to leave the son's house that if i don't leave i'll never have a child and uh, my father died in november and she could not talk to me she didn't go for my father's burial and um I said to the son, I said, I forgive your mother for all she's doing. But my problem now is, although I said I forgive her, I don't know right inside my mind, because I remember I remember all she did to me, all she right. has said to me. Right. And I wonder if... I know. <laughs> it's hard, see? And I wonder if I'm on the right path. Each night that I pray, I said my rosary, I pray yeah. for her, I said, God, to touch her heart. But that is forgiveness, sweetheart. You see? If we're going to wait to feel forgiving, I think we've got to wait a long time. <coughs> because it's okay for you. It's good for you to keep saying your rosary and say, Lord, please forgive my mother-in-law. I've always wondered what happens to mother-in-laws. They all seem to be in the same boat. Are they no beautiful mother-in-laws? You know, there has to be somewhere. And I'm sure there are many beautiful mother-in-laws. But for your sanctification and maybe her salvation, God has permitted this, see? Does she live in another country or another city? No, she lives in Nigeria. And you live in America? Yeah. Forgive her. <laughs> Sweetheart, that many miles away, I wouldn't have a hard time forgiving her at all. You're going by telephone calls. There's one thing, a telephone call can hurt just like anything else, I know. But when you get a phone call or you tell you phoned her and you get all these insults, remember that is your opportunity to say a prayer for her salvation. When somebody's so angry inside like that and so hateful, they're in bad shape. They're not like Jesus. That's what you have to realize. And so take that as an opportunity of forgiving at the moment and know that she suffers more than you do because there's something inside her, probably jealousy. Jealousy is a terrible, terrible sin because it, it just ruins. It ruins marriages. It ruins families. It ruins um, friendships. It's a... It's the devil's best tool, the one he uses most. But don't get, don't get so involved in that. See, you're allowing your mother-in-law that's how many miles away from you to ruin your life, to make you uneasy, to make you angry, to make your life miserable. Why? Somebody that far away. You can't have friends all the time from everybody. Everybody's not going to love you. The commandment is you love everybody, but the Lord never told us everybody was going to love us. See, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You love her by praying for her, and when you're off of that phone, out of your mind, out of your mind, because you've done what God wanted you to do, now forget it. And closing out uh, this week's program, we have a call father joseph uh the mother took about purgatory books and the book of revelation kind of mm -hmm. an interesting combination there no <laughs> yes you know and i think a good way for us to look at the book of revelation is that 
The Gospels reveal to us Jesus crowned with thorns. Of course, concludes with the resurrection. But the book of Revelation is now Jesus crowned in glory. And the center, really, of the book of Revelation is the Lamb. The Lamb who was slain but now stands victorious. And that we are called to the wedding banquet of the Lamb. And I think of that Lamb, I think of that beautiful John Paul II Eucharistic Center and that beautiful Lamb um, that statue in there mm-hmm. that, that's right. so in, right in the beginning of that uh, of there if people haven't gone there they should go to Hansville and visit it but it's really really impressive it is and uh, uh, our own George San Pedro came up with a unique way in which blood and water flow from his side and so you'll be able to see that how he uh, accomplished that but it's a way in which we realize that all of the sacramental graces and life that we have this divine life comes from the open heart of the Lamb who was slain for our salvation. Absolutely, and Mother also responds early on to uh, dealing with purgatory, and she does it biblically, which is great. She's got a number of uh, quotations there that uh, give us a response to the doctrine of purgatory that's right there in the scriptures. And uh, we know that it makes sense, doesn't it? Because we would not want to go into heaven, and C.S. Lewis brings this out, if we saw that we weren't ready for it. We desire to be purified, to be uh, ready for that full life of glory in heaven. Amen. Well said. Purgatory Books and the Book of Revelation and Mother Angelica. We have another call. Hello? Hello. Where are you from? Um, Bay City, Michigan. My name is Pat. And what is your question? I have a question. If you could give me a brief idea or overview of the Book of Revelation from a Catholic perspective, and also, if you, <laughs> that is a real task. Go ahead, honey. Uh-huh. And if you could give me or recommend a book to me on um, purgatory with biblical references. Oh, we got a lot of books on purgatory. I give you a lot of biblical references. You got a pencil? Huh? Yep. Whoa. <laughs> Mark nine forty-eight. Sirach seven thirty-seven. 1 Corinthians 3.14, Luke, and Matthew 12.32. Now, the book of Revelations, you want it short. (laughs) Short. Well, the book of Revelations, number one, is a symbolic book. But it says a lot. Most of all, it describes, don't you hate stuff in books? Okay, I'm safe now. It describes for you heaven, for one thing. All of you that wonder what heaven looks like. There's another one. You need to read the book of Revelations. It says here, The person sitting on the throne looked like a diamond and a ruby. There was a rainbow encircling the throne, and it looked like an emerald. Around the throne in a circle were 24 thrones and 24 elders with white robes and golden crowns. And flashes of lightning came from the throne, sounds of peals of thunder. In front of the throne were seven flaming lamps burning the seven spirits of God. If you look at the book of Tobias, you find that Raphael was one. He said, I am one of the seven spirits who stand before the throne of God. You'll get a good 
comprehensive view of the book of Revelation and a very good commentary by the Navarra Bible. You can order it from us. Then the book of Revelation speaks of the latter days. Hmm. Well, there are seven bowls, none of them very good, <laughs> that are going to be poured down on all of us at some point. There you'd be good to read it. It is not what you call happy reading. But it shows what sin is and how the whole world responds and reacts to the sin committed upon it by men or mankind. I think we're going to see a lot of things happening in the world. Great catastrophes because the sins of the world. I think, you know, when our Lord died, do you remember what happened? There was a great earthquake, and it got very, very dark, and the earth quaked, and the temple curtain was rent in two. You know how thick that curtain was? The width of a, the length of a man's hand, that thick. The grapes on it were huge. That thing was rent in two. The sin, the grave sin, of betrayal and murder. All, all creation responded with an earthquake and graves opened up and people got up out of those graves. It's in here. I always wonder what happened to them. Did they go back down or did they just keep walking around, you know? <laughs> but anyway, they scared everybody to death, which was the purpose of them coming out. So there is a, a relationship between nature and grave serious sin. So, now the book of Revelation is a very exciting book. And I would certainly get all of you who want uh, to know the, a, a very good explanation of the book of Revelation. I get it of our Bible. And I think that will give you a great. And it is prophetic. It's symbolic, it's mystical, and it's prophetic. A lot of people try to interpret it, but I haven't seen really one real good interpretation. We talk about a thousand years. That's a symbolic of a, an era of peace in the world. So I would, I would encourage you to read it and get a good commentary. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.